1: Today is Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. On this day in 1978, cult leader Jim Jones ordered the murder-suicide of over 900 of his followers. The event became known as the Jonestown Massacre. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Wendy McKenzie from Solved Murders. Her show investigates true crime's most notorious murders and tells the tale of how real-life detectives closed the cases. Wendy will handle the historical context and the aftermath of the Jonestown massacre, while I'll cover the narrative. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Now let's go back to the Guyana jungle in the early afternoon of November 18, 1978. U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan was on a rescue mission. He needed to get back to Washington as soon as possible to inform the country about the fanatics in Jonestown. The rumors he'd heard were true. Jim Jones was dangerous. He was keeping people at his compound against their will. Ryan had come to Guyana a few days previously to investigate the rumors about a cult known as the People's Temple. Now he had several members of the group with him. They'd begged to join him for the flight back to the United States. But as Ryan, his congressional cohort, and a few journalists waited to board the plane, a huge truck suddenly roared out of the jungle. The vehicle was loaded with armed members of the People's Temple. The congressmen watched in horror as the gunmen jumped out and opened fire on them. When the smoke cleared, Ryan and four others were dead. The surviving cult members were taken back to the compound where Jim Jones waited to pass judgment on them. When the gunmen and the captured cult members returned to Jonestown, Jim Jones was distraught. He knew when he sent the armed men after the congressman what the outcome was likely to be. Their return confirmed that Ryan was dead. He knew there was no way to cover his tracks. He had ordered the murder of a U.S. congressman, and there were obviously members of the cult willing to speak out against him. No matter what he did next, he was finished. But he wouldn't go down alone. He decided the only way to save his congregation was to send them to a better place. Jones believed that upon death, each member of the people's temple would go to heaven. Now, he had to help them get there faster. Jones ordered his most trusted staff to prepare several vats of powdered flavor aid juice. He told them to add a lethal mix of cyanide and sedatives into each container. As gallons of the fatal cocktail were prepared, Jones gathered the 900 members of the cult that were on site that day. Several members of the people's temple including two of Jones's sons, were in other parts of Guyana. Jones couldn't afford to wait for them to return. He was certain the U.S. government would send in armed soldiers at any moment, and then there would be no escape. Finally, the lethal juice was ready, and Jones announced to his congregation that it was time for them to drink. He was clear that he was asking them to die, but claimed it was a noble death. The cult members were mostly quiet, except for a lone woman who spoke up. She didn't want to take part. But Jones refused to listen to reason. He told his followers that this was a revolutionary suicide and that everyone should die together. He encouraged mothers to use syringes to squirt the juice in their babies' mouths. He told families to drink together. Jones assured them that they were dying with dignity, though he himself wasn't going to drink. He had another plan. After the hundreds of members ingested the poison, most of them sat quietly, then passed out. Many had their arms around each other. Once his people were dead, Jim Jones took a seat in the central pavilion. Then he shot himself in the head. The next day, the Guyana army approached the compound. The soldiers had expected heavy resistance from the cult members, but the place was completely silent. Inside, they found over 900 corpses. Coming up, the aftermath of the horrific massacre. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be— Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, Our Love Story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the story. On November 18, 1978, Reverend Jim Jones led over 900 members of the People's Temple cult in a mass murder suicide. At a nearby airstrip, there were another five bodies riddled with bullets. One of them was a US Congressman. When soldiers arrived at the Jonestown compound in Guyana, they found few survivors. My guest host, Wendy, is going to take over from here to discuss the aftermath of the massacre,
2: as well as the events which led up to it. Thanks, Vanessa. Of the 87 surviving cult members, only 36 of them were in Jonestown the day of the massacre. 11 of those had fled into the jungle earlier that day, before Jones demanded the suicide. Now, they were the only witnesses left. Including the murdered congressional visitors, the final death toll was 909. Over 300 of the dead were children, many of whom had been fed poison by their parents. It didn't take long for the tragic story to reach the global news outlets. Besides the murder of Congressman Leo Ryan and others at the airstrip, there were questions about the coercion involved in the suicide. Jonestown had been protected by armed guards, and many of them were found surrounding the central pavilion where the suicide had taken place. The survivors implied that few members of the cult had actually wanted to follow Jones's fatal command. But the sad truth was that nobody stepped up to stop the deaths. Sociologist John R. Hall wrote in his book about Jonestown that the presence of armed guards shows at least implicit coercion, the guards themselves reported their intentions to visitors in glorious terms and then took the poison nor was the situation structured as one of individual choice jim jones proposed a collective action and only one woman offered extended opposition no one rushed up to tip over the vat of flavorade. wittingly unknowingly or reluctantly they took the poison but the implications of the deaths were clear In the cases of many children, they hadn't chosen to take the poison. The tragedy continued to be called a massacre, not a mass suicide. Over the next three months, some of the Jonestown victims' bodies were returned to the U.S. But by April 1979, only around 300 corpses had been claimed by family members. Another 200 were too decomposed to identify. Most of the over 500 remaining unclaimed bodies were moved to a cemetery in Oakland, California. A memorial was erected over the mass grave. Even once the victims were buried, the public debate continued around why so many people chose to follow Jim Jones to their deaths. When Jones founded the People's Temple in the 1950s, his goal seemed admirable. He preached a Christian gospel and wanted his church to help the poor, feed the hungry, and support those who were marginalized by society. He presented himself as an anti-racist leader, and eventually the majority of Jones's followers were black Americans. However, as the years went on, Jones came to see himself as an all-powerful savior. He believed he was leading his flock toward salvation. Meetings of the People's Temple became forbidden to outsiders, Jones grew paranoid, eventually leading him to found his colony in South America. By the mid-70s, some members of the People's Temple were disillusioned with Jones, and they wanted to leave the colony. But Jones had confiscated their passports and their money. They tried to contact loved ones back in the U.S. to help. Those communications led Leo Ryan to come down to investigate. However, journalist and Jonestown expert Jeff Gwynn wrote that with Jones' dangerous egomania, it was only a matter of time before he snapped. A tragedy was inevitable.
1: Gwynn wrote, Jim Jones epitomizes the worst that can happen when we let one person dictate what we hear and what we believe, We can only change that if we learn from the past and try to apply it to today. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again for
2: joining me today, Wendy. Thanks for having me. You can find my podcast, Solved Murders, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today in True Crime
1: is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovic. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and stars Vanessa Richardson and Wendy McKenzie. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.